Uh, let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. We looked last week in Matthew chapter um, 9 about the fact that Jesus didn't come to call the healthy, but he came to call the sick, and not the righteous, but sinners, those who know that they need help or are willing to admit it. People are willing to say, you know what? I realize I'm a sinner. I need help. I realize I need the Lord in my life. Uh, I read an, I'm reading a book now that, uh, thanks to Heidi, uh, it's about Rich Mullins, uh, who was a, a musician uh, uh, some time ago. He died in a car accident. But uh, it says uh, Rich Mullins, this is speaking about church. It says Rich Mullins loved the church and he was nurtured in it, learning that there the truths of his faith that would shape him. He didn't go to church. He didn't believe that we go to church because we are perfect. He believed that we go to church because we need it. He looked at the Christian life as a process, an ongoing struggle to be faithful to what we know is true. And he understood that we are prone to failure and therefore in need of the support, direction, and accountability found only in the church. We don't come here because we're all together. We come here because we need to get together to get it together, right? And this is a quoting from, from Rich Mullins now. He says, I hear people say, why do you want to go to church? They're all just hypocrites. And he says, I never understood why going to church made you a hypocrite. Because nobody goes to church because they're perfect. If you've got it all together, you don't need to go. You can go jogging with all the other perfect people on Sunday morning. <laughs> Every time you go to church, you're confessing again to yourself to your family, to the people you pass on the way there, to the people who greet you there, thank you for, for new greeters, that you don't have it all together and that you need their support and you need their direction and you need some accountability, you need some help. So there's a reason we come. It's not because we got it all together. Those people who think that they have it all together, Jesus said, you know, he can't do anything for them. Well, you and I know that they don't have it all together, but they think they have it all together. But how can you help someone who thinks that they got it all together? And when they come to church with that kind of an attitude, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But Jesus, he, he came for those that were sick, those who were sinners and not afraid to say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, helps me. The rest of the song I forget. We saw, what, we saw what Jesus did with Matthew, the tax collector. He can turn a life around. He said to Matthew, follow me. And Matthew, it says, he got up and left everything and followed him. And his life was radically changed. His life was changed. Why? Because he had a relationship with Jesus. Well, that's kind of simple, isn't it? It's a simple way of saying it, but that's how simple it is, to have a relationship with Jesus. Matthew then, we saw, he invited all of his friends. Hey, he says, you know, you know, Jesus, I want you to meet who this Jesus is. And he invited all of his friends, all the other tax collectors, all the other sinners, and, and they said, you know, why are you getting together? Why is Jesus getting together with all these, you know, lower kind of people? But Matthew said, you know what? 
I'm going to let them know. I want them to meet Jesus. And he put on a banquet for Jesus. He began living for Jesus. And he, he began to fulfill his calling. And his calling developed. And, and the Lord called him to be an apostle. He wrote this book that we're studying. He, he fulfilled what God had called him to do. And I'm sure it was developed over time. He didn't, you know, uh, he did, Jesus didn't come to him and say, follow me because I'm going to make you an apostle. And that's going to make you really cool. And I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, give you uh, the words to write the book of Matthew, and that's going to make you even cooler. He didn't tell him any of those things, you see. He said, just follow me. And all those things kind of, kind of, you know, came out of his relationship with Jesus. Jesus came to give us life and hope and purpose. People like you and me. The problem was always with the religious. If you notice, when you read through the Gospels, when Jesus had trouble, it was always with the religious people. They thought they were okay. They thought they were healthy. They thought they were so righteous. And so what I want to share with you this morning is something you've heard me say before and you've heard other people say before, but I want to really focus on this idea. The question is this, is it religion or is it relationship? Do we have religion or do we have a relationship? I think this is a struggle. I think it's always a struggle. Why? Because I think we as human beings, we prefer religion. Because it's almost easier. It's spelled out, you know. Well, just do X, you know, Y and Z. And, you know, do A, B and C. Do these things and you'll be. It's much easier than to, to fall before the throne of God and say, Jesus, I want to get to know you. I want, you know, like Paul said, to, to know you better. It's so much easier if, if you can just give me the points. But that's what makes the difference in life is having a relationship with him. Look at verse 14. It says, John's disciples came and they asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. Now these are John the, Baptist, uh, John the Baptist's disciples, and most likely John was in prison at the time. And so they're kind of trying to find their way, trying to figure out what's going on. But we know they came to the right place. Why? Because, because Jesus, John had said about Jesus that, that he must increase, right? And he, that is John the Baptist, must decrease. It wasn't about John the Baptist, though he was an you know, incredible person. And, you know, used greatly by God. But it was really, it, it, he pointed the way to Jesus. It's not pointing the way to himself, but pointed the way to Jesus. So they came. It's interesting when uh, I read, I read about, about this group of disciples. They, in, in this particular case, they kind of lumped themselves with the Pharisees, which is not really a group that I would want to lump myself with. But they, they put themselves in that same group. But, but they kind of, John's disciples actually continued on for like another, uh, I think it was another uh, century or two. And this group of, of you know, John's disciples, I think they kind of, some of them kind of missed the boat. And they kind of went towards being the religious rather than having the relationship with Jesus. There was all kinds of religious fasting going on. We saw already, though, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, didn't we, that that most of the things that fasting they were doing were so that other people could see. So that they could see how religious, how spiritual they were because look at me. They stand and pray on the street corners. They fast and, and, and they you know, kind of make their faces look like they're fasting. 
I'm not sure how you do that, but I mean, do you just look hungry or, you know? But they were doing that, and, and they had added all this. So much they had added to the, the Old Testament really only had one time in the year that, that it was prescribed to fast. That was on the Day of Atonement. So they had added so much that it was now two times a week that they would fast. From once a year to two times a week. I think that's taken it a little beyond what kind of the Word of God, you know, you know. We can do that, though, because we're prone to do that, to get really religious. They came to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, you're feasting, and we're fasting. <laughs> Jesus answered, and he said to them, don't you get it? Don't you understand? Are you not listening? Don't you remember what John, your mentor said look at verse 15 he says jesus answered how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them then they will fast he says this is a time of celebration this is like a wedding feast and that's kind of like what it was like last night it wasn't a wedding feast but we were celebrating relationships and celebrating marriage but when you go to a wedding you know, can you imagine going to a wedding and you're, you, you know, you're, you, you put your best clothes on, but can you imagine going and, and you're just going to want to be a real bummer to the wedding people there? They're going to kick you out. You know, you go all dressed like a slob and, you, you know, your, your face is all, your hair's all messed up like you just woke up, you know, like mine. And, and, and you know, it's like, why, why are you even here? And that's what Jesus is saying. It's like, a, you know, the guests of the bridegroom, how can they mourn? Jesus is there with them. Now, the, 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 the wedding celebrations back then, it wasn't they would have a wedding celebration for like three hours, then the couple would go on a honeymoon for two weeks or a week or whatever. No, they had, this, they had the ceremony or whatever, and then they celebrated right there with everyone for a week. So this was like big time celebration. So Jesus has said, how can, you know, don't you understand? He says, there's something about being with the master, about being with Jesus. And that's what, for you and I, I think we want to think about. Is, are, we, are we being religious? And, and, and that's kind of like what people see. Or we, or we have a relationship with Jesus that something's coming out of this thing, and it's, it's good. And it's joyful. The joy of actually being with Jesus, we don't... I think, you know, we're kind of missing something. The joy of being with Jesus. Uh, Warren Wiersbe said, the Christian life is a feast, not a funeral. Yes, Jesus even said it here. There are times for fasting, and there would be times for them to fast. And, you know, to fast is simply to humble ourselves before God, to seek His face, to call upon Him, to focus on Him, to put aside the, the things of the flesh for a short period of time. Jesus himself fasted at the right time and for the right reasons. It's a good thing, but not as a religious thing. Well, I fast two times a week like these guys. Well, I fast, you know, the first day of the month, you know, no matter what, even if, you know, I got to go to a wedding. I'm going to go there and tell them all how spiritual I am. And, and it, you know, this religious thing kind of comes across and like, who are you? And maybe, I don't know, someone said to me last week that there, 
perhaps there are some closet Pharisees here, closet legalists. Here, here, some of you. You're thinking, wait a minute, I like religion. I like my religion. You've heard it said, perhaps, if you've been around a while, that sometimes Christians are like they're baptized in lemon juice. Think about that. Can you bring the lemon juice in now? You know, we could, we, you know, we're supposed to be having a relationship with Jesus and we're like all shriveled up and we're like all, you know, as we'll see, rigid and... And people say, you know, wow, that's something I want, not. Jesus said in John 16, he said, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices after the cross. He says, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And I wonder how many of us have any of that kind of joy in our lives. Let me read to you <clears throat> some verses I read recently where it says in, uh, in Isaiah, <clears throat> excuse me, he's talking about his word. He says, my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And then he says these, these words. He says, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Can you see that? Can you picture that? But some of us, and, and, and I know this is a struggle, and, I, and I, go through, I go through it as well, struggling, being so brought down by the world brought down by the life of, of, of just trying to make it in this world and, and not really having any joy of the Lord. But the Bible says what? The joy of the Lord is our what? Our strength. So we've got no joy. We probably don't have much strength either spiritually. I want, I want the Lord to baptize us in joy, not in lemon juice. I want, I want the joy of the Lord. I think maybe we're getting ripped off and maybe it's because we've gotten re too religious. Maybe we're just a little bit pharisaical and, and we're going down this path and, and just doing the things. We're doing the, the duties. And that's what they were doing. You do that long enough and you begin to be just like them. Do we have religion or do we have relationship? Are we saved by works or are we saved by grace? You can't, it's not both. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. For, for you and I to have a relationship with Jesus. Do we know him? Do we know him? I remember reading this or hearing this recording, and maybe some of you heard it, uh, quite a few years back where this, uh, this uh, preacher, he, he, he goes through all these things about who God is. Any of you remember this? And he talks really fast, and he goes through all these things, but after every phrase, he says, do you know him? And he would talk more about who he is, and he says, do you know him? And, and, and really, that for you and I, that's the question. Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? Or is it just a religion? Are you here because it's Sunday? And I go to church on Sunday. Look at verse 16 says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. 
for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Jesus giving us pictures, parables, to understand some of the things that he was trying to say. And he says, you know, when you're, when you're going to fix some clothes, if there's a, a, a problem with a garment, you're not going to take new cloth and put it on an old cloth because when you wash them and the new cloth shrinks, it's going to create this problem. You don't patch up the old with the new, is what he's saying. It doesn't work. Just trying to patch things up. Patch up my spiritual religious life. No, he came to give us a new life. We sang that song, a new song, a new hope, a new life. Do you know him? Warren Wiersbe also said this, that that he came to bring spiritual wholeness. He did not come to patch us up and let us fall apart. He didn't come just to patch us up. He came to give us a brand new life, a brand new relationship with him. I'm thinking about this. You know, the Pharisees had taken it all this way. Well, you know, it really, you know, Jesus said he's got something new. But in reality, just like the commandment, he says, you know, this is a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. But he says, not really new. And knowing God isn't really new. Really, you go back to Genesis. In the very beginning where Adam and Eve were created, they had relationship with God, did they not? That's what it was all about. They walked with him. They talked with him in the Garden of Eden. That was the plan. That was God's purpose. Not for them to to have this religion, but to have a relationship with Almighty God. Look at verse 17. It says, Neither do do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. You know, the old wineskin, and they would take to, to, they didn't have all the containers that you and I have. They would, they would use skins, animal skins, and they would treat them and, and do whatever they had to do. But when they were, you know, fresh and new, they were more uh, pliable. They, were, they could stretch a little bit. But once they got old, they would become stiff and they would become rigid. And so when you put new wine in there and the, and the wine, you know, is reacting and, and kind of expanding and fermenting or whatever... It would, it, the chance would be that it would break that wineskin, you see. So he's saying there's, there's a new way, a new life, a new relationship with Jesus. This is a change from the old way of religion, the old way of just doing it a certain way, a change. Oh, don't use that word. We like religion and we don't like change. There's a, there's a resistance to change, isn't there? Why is that? Why do we not want anything to change? For all those reasons, we don't like, you know, to get out of our comfort zone. We don't like things to be different. Mark Twain, that great theologian, he said this, the only person who likes change is a wet baby. And it's true. In Luke's account of this, of this uh, passage, Luke says this. He adds this that Jesus said, And no one, after drinking the old wine, wants the new. 
For he says, the old is better. The old is better. That music from the 70s, that music from the 1500s, the old is better. It's better. The seven last words of a dying church, but we've always done it that way. We don't like change. We, we, we hear that line, you know, it, it just can't be done. It's impossible. It's no way. Why should we change anything? It's working this way. Don't, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Jesus said, you know what? You, you guys are stuck in a rut, and it's a big one. He says, there's a new life that we're talking about, and it's, it's a life of having a relationship with him. This is what we're talking about. Do you have it? Do you know him? Do you know him? This isn't just a message for the, for the crowd. This is a message for each one of us. Do we really, truly, and honestly know him? Are we growing in our relationship with him? Can't be done. These are the things I do. I go to church. I sit in my same seat. I give one dollar. I sing one song. You know, that is what I do. I am like a robot. That's what life is like, being religious. It can't be done. We resist any kind of change. And Jesus, you know, you come here and you hear God's word and God is saying to you, listen, I want to do something in your life. You say, no, maybe next Sunday. No, maybe next year. Maybe 2011, 2012, I'll, I'll start to get more involved. I'll start to, like, do something. I'll start to, you know, you know right now I'm, I'm building a business. I'm, you know, I'm taking care of this. I'm taking care of that. You know, i got to wax my car. You know, i gotta, I got to, you know, feed my parakeet. Oh, you know, we have all kinds of things. I don't even have a parakeet. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Let me, let me tell you some of these things, these inventions, that ideas that people said couldn't be done, so it says they resisted the new. The first cast iron plow invented in 1797 was rejected by the New Jersey farmers under the theory that cast iron poisoned the land and stimulated the growth of weeds. They fought against it. There was another authority who declared in, that the introduction of the railroad would require the building of many insane asylums <laughs> since people would be driven mad with terror at the sight of locomotives rushing across the country. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm so insane. <laughs> I live right next to the railroad track. Now I understand. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my. In Germany, it was proved by the experts that if trains went at the frightful speed of 15 miles an hour, that blood would spurt from the travelers' noses and passengers would suffocate when going through tunnels. In 1881, when the New York YWCA announced typing lessons for women, protests were made on the grounds that the female constitution would break down under the strain. Ooh. That hurts. But the experts say 
The experts tell us. We have so many experts. You watch the news and, you know, you can't wait five minutes before they bring on the expert that's going to tell you all about it or whatever. Well, the U.S. Patent Office director in 1890 said, 1899, he said, everything that can be invented has been invented. <laughs> You're fired. Why, are you, why do you even have this job? You know, Warner from Warner Brothers, he asked the question in 1927, who wants to hear actors talk? <laughs> Grover Cleveland, you've heard of him. He said, sensible and responsible women do not want to vote. Oh, that's two women once. Sorry. Somebody said this about Babe Ruth. It says, Babe Ruth made a big mistake when he gave up pitching. <laughs> but my favorite is tradition. Tradition. You know that song, right? Some of you do. If you've never seen the movie Fiddler on the Roof, you, you should see it. It's like really long, but it's like one of the classics of all time. And it gives you kind of an insight, too, into maybe even what we're talking about today, a wedding feast, because they had a wedding feast there. I won't spoil it for you, but into the like, life of the Jewish uh, 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 people at that time. We don't want to change. We've got our traditions. We've got our ways of doing things. And Jesus said, you've got to put some of that stuff aside and, and focus on me and have a relationship with me. I just, want to, I just want to fellowship with you. And we start saying, our Father which art in heaven, blah, 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 blah. And he says, hey, wait, just stop a minute. I, I, want, to, I want to talk to you. Our Father which art. You know what I'm saying? I'm not making fun of anyone, but, but, but that's what we do. We just kind of do these things by rote, and, and we go through all these things. And he says, wait, 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 wait. That's a tradition. That's, that's a religious thing. And, and, and it had its purpose perhaps when it first was, was initiated or started, but, but I want to have a relationship with you. Jesus said to the Pharisees and those people, he said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. He said, you have let go of the commands of God and holding on to the traditions of men. We make our traditions and religion. He says, you know, you're missing the point. True hypocrisy is really when we put on a face. When we put on a face and we're hiding. That's what the word hypocrite means, kind of putting on a show. And that's what they were doing. They really didn't have any life. They, it looked kind of like that way. And, and, and maybe you and I have been raised in a certain way, and Jesus perhaps wants to do something new. Or maybe we've even been a believer and a Christian for 30 years, but he's, he's wanting to do something new, even beginning today, where he wants you to spend maybe five minutes or, or ten minutes with him alone today, somewhere, somehow. Go lock yourself in the bathroom. Not here. There's no locks on the doors. He wants to do something new because he's the God of, of new life. And if anyone is in Christ, Paul said, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. How far have we left the new behind? And we're, we're now in this old religious rut of tradition. Religion, a relationship. Isaiah speaking, he says... Sing to the Lord a new song. 
He says, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. A wasteland. It doesn't matter what has happened up to this point, you see. Whatever is past is past. It doesn't matter. I know, I, I know that's, that's not always easy to deal with. I, I, I frequently am dealing with the past, going back to you know, the past. But, but, but Paul says, you know, forgetting what's behind, reaching forward to what's ahead. He says, I, I reach for the goal. I press on toward the goal for the prize and the high calling. I reach to know him better. I'm doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing here even now. And we, we have got to be careful that we do not put the brakes on what God might want to do here in this place with you and with me. How he might want to challenge each one of us to step up and find that calling like Matthew did and be who God has created us to be. Now, will every one of us step up? No. He- Howard Hendricks uh, um, a writer and, and a pastor, I believe he was a pastor, he said this from research and personal experience. He says, I've come to the conclusion that in every church, 16% of the members will never change. Let's count off. <laughs> the tragedy is I see young pastors every day leaving the ministry because of that 16%. It's as if they're butting their heads against a brick wall. What? What they should be doing is concentrating on the 84% who are ripe for change. That's where the real ministry of the local church takes place. 16%, he said, and I, and I always want to think better of our church. I just think, it, well, that's the other church over there. Our church, we're, at, we're pretty close, 99.9. We're pretty close there, but, you know, I'm not sure I'm really right on that one. We want, we want God to do something here, do we not? I want to see people coming to know Jesus Christ. I want to see you and I knowing him deeper in a real way, maybe in a new way, new from what we've been used to. You and I, in a simple way of knowing Jesus, he knows us, we know him. Do you know him? Do you have religion or do you have relationship? I want you to turn with me to John chapter 17. We'll close there. John chapter 17, verse 3, the definition of eternal life. John chapter 17, verse 3. Jesus in his prayer, this is really the Lord's prayer because it was Jesus praying to the Father himself. And he says in verse 3, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That pretty much sums it up, does it not? That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to live to give his life as an offering, to pay the price for my sin, for the sins of the world, to all who would receive him, to all who would believe in him, 
that they might have a relationship with you through Jesus, your Son. Father, I, 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 it's kind of more than, than I can even think, Lord, that you want to have a relationship with me. You want to talk to me. You want to, you want to spend life with me. With each person here. But that's what your word says. This is eternal life. They may know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Lord, you, wanna, you want us to know you and to get to know you better and better. You already know us inside and out. There's nothing for you to discover, but for us to discover more about you and to, to have that eternal life and to have a joy. I found the joy of knowing you. There's nothing to compare it to. Lord, I pray for each one here this morning, hearing these words, your words, Lord, that we would walk with you and talk with you like they did back in the garden. Not perfectly. Paul said that we see through a glass darkly. We just kind of a, a little bit of a cloudy image, but, but one day we'll see face to face. But in the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, we... We have hearts that are not far from you, but hearts that are open to you, to follow you, to know you. May that be said of each one of us, Lord. And, and we put aside the religion, the tradition, the law, the steps to have relationship with you. If that's you this morning, you want to simply pray you just take a moment of silence and, and simply open your heart and say, I want that. I want that. I want that relationship. I want the joy. I want the peace. I want that life. I want purpose. Lead us and guide us, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.